Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Good morning. Welcome to Hope, you guys. My name's Danny. Isn't Chris Matley a talented guy? Man, that's such a cool little video intro there. Um, and uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm stoked I get to share with you. Um, who here was at the Stokeout or part of the Stokeout yesterday? That was so epic. Thank you guys, everyone who volunteered and donated. That was our first time. Uh, we were actually in four locations yesterday. And we gave away hundreds and hundreds of shoes and sweatshirts to local kids in need in our community. Isn't that amazing? Can we just thank God that he allowed us to do that? Because we're, we're one church in three locations, and we all work together for this. And we were able to have uh, shoes and hoodies at De La Viega for the first time. And we, had, we were serving four schools out of Del Mar Elementary School. And we tripled our amount of shoes that we gave away at Mar Vista in Aptos. And we linked up with Hope Feeds here. Uh, we had like double the amount of food here yesterday at Hope Feeds. And so um, that is an ongoing ministry, by the way. If you ever would like to serve and be a part of Hope Feeds, talk to Eric in the back there. Eric, will you just wave real quick? Yeah, talk to Eric. He's, help. He's here with Hope Feeds. And we have an amazing ministry. We give away hundreds and hundreds of meals every week. So um, check that out. And hey, before I get started today, I am teaching the message. I'm excited. It is the gnarliest chapter in the Bible. Merry Christmas. Because we're, we're doing this series on Revelation, and we're getting to the end here, and it, it kind of gets worse before it gets better. But before I, I get into that, I have an exciting thing I want to share with you guys today. I've got some friends that are here in town for the weekend that I wanted to introduce to you, and uh, they are missionaries from El, in El Salvador. They moved from Huntington Beach eight years ago, and they planted a church, and they care for uh, seven uh, missionary families and 22 missionaries in all of Central America. And they're here hanging out with us this weekend. I thought it'd be really cool to introduce, introduce them to you and they get to meet you guys. So Jared and Kelly, will you guys come up here? Welcome Jared and Kelly Mueller. Come on up. Well, good morning. Buenos dias. And feliz, feliz Navidad. Um, yeah, it's a great privilege to be here with Pastor Danny. We've made some connection uh, through Savannah and our good friend Chad, who knows Savannah well. And then our boys were able to join your surf camp down in San Clemente last year. But uh, we're missionaries in El Salvador. If you don't know where El Salvador is, you go south of Mexico, right in the heart of Central America. And um, I was really blessed this morning. That third song was, I haven't heard it before, but that was a great song. But really declaring that we have who Jesus is. And uh, I have news for you guys today that God is much bigger. And I know that it's difficult sometimes to live in a city where uh, maybe it's not in fashion to be a Christian. Uh, but I come from the great south, down south, to let you know that we're part of a four-square family. We have over 100,000 churches in 154 nations around the world and in some very, very difficult places to minister. So we're in the heart of San Salvador, in the heart of El Salvador. It's not necessarily an unreached country, uh, but we've got our challenges, and uh, the Lord's planted us there. And uh, it's great to have partnerships with U.S. churches, and uh, we're really uh, excited to see how we can build that relationship with uh, Hope Church. We're in Hope Chapel, actually. Actually, right now, Hope Chapel San Salvador is, uh, is uh, in service, 
until about 11.30 uh, their time. So that'll be about a half hour here. But we're looking forward to our partnership together and getting to know each other. Amen. Thank you guys so much for, for coming and hanging with us and sharing. Yeah, give it up for them. They brought me some coffee from El Salvador. And if this message is like extra good, it's because of that coffee that they gave me. It's like en fuego. Cafe en fuego. <laughs> you ever had your heart broken when you lost something? So I got stuck in Hawaii last week. No one feels bad for me. Come on. My, my family and I, I got asked to do a wedding. Actually, a couple that's from here. Um, on the north shore of Oahu, play the, play the little violin for me, make me feel, feel better, it's so sad, but yeah, they, they flew me out there, and our family's there, Jenny's parents, and so we got to go have Thanksgiving on the north shore, and then we were supposed to fly back sat last Saturday, and then our son, Kale, he was sick in the night, and it was a late night, and we were up all night, and it was like not a good one, and so we could not get on that plane the next day, and then it was like full Sunday and Monday. What a bummer. Isn't that so sad that I had to stay in Hawaii for two more days? Uh, and actually, somehow it worked out that they gave us a credit to come back on Tuesday. I don't know how that worked, but they're like, we're going to give you $600 to come back on Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> and I may or may not have got the best wave of my life on Sunday while you guys were in church. And I may or may not have fallen in the barrel and landed on the reef on my knee. Maybe that's what I'd get for skipping church and going surfing. But... Um, <laughs> But then we got back to the airport on Tuesday night, and we're all hungry because they don't feed you on the plane anymore. Have you noticed this? What's the deal? There's no food. And it's like you can pay $12 for like a little box with some nuts and chips, but I'm like, that ain't, that's that, that. I'm going to, I wanted to go to In-N-Out Burger. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then we got off the plane, and I was the only one that wanted to go to In-N-Out Burger, and my family's like, we're going to Chipotle. And so I'm like, all right, we'll go to Chipotle. So we pulled up Chipotle, you know, right by the airport there. It's like you come straight to the airport, and there's like In-N-Out and Chipotle, and we pulled right out to the, the, um, like the glass right by the restaurant in all the lights and everything, and I didn't think to move the backpacks because they're in the back of the car. And we go inside, and we're like just about to order. I mean, it's been like less than a minute, and someone knocks on the window and yells at me that somebody broke into my truck. And I came out, and I see the glass on the ground, and they said, it was that guy, and it's this black Lexus speeding off. And so in that moment, I wasn't thinking about my iPad or my new sunglasses or the AirPod Pros that someone gave me as a gift or the money or anything else that was in my backpack, or I wasn't thinking about the Nintendo Switch or the 42 video games which is kind of embarrassing that we actually have 42 video games, or we had, we had 42 video games. You know what I was thinking about? My son Kale's baby blanket was in that backpack. And I just like, a fire lit up inside of me. And it was like, you know Liam Neeson in that movie? I have a specific set of skills. I'm actually glad I didn't have a bazooka because I ran after that car like, I mean, it was like, like, I don't know, I just like, I just like turned into Batman for a moment, and I just ran after that car, full speed, full sprint, just in time to catch a blurry picture of their license plate as they sped away, and I chased them down the street yelling, give me my blankie! And the homeless guy next to me thought I was the bad guy because I'm chasing the car, yelling at them, yelling about my blankie. Sorry, did I just deafen you guys? 
You're awake now. You didn't have the coffee from El Salvador, so you need me here today. But uh, <laughs> so I'm like there. I'm yelling at this guy about the blankie. Oh, man, it was so lame. And I, you know, I had turned my iPad on airplane mode. So I went to track him, and it was like, nope. Oh, maybe Griffin, you can help me with the iPad. I don't know. There's, maybe there's a way. We, you and me can go find him. We'll go find that blankie. But, oh, man, the worst part, though, was that night we got home. And, you know, it's like my son, he's eight years old, but he's had this blankie since day one. And his heart was broken. Oh, and as a dad, I was like, nothing I can do. You know that feeling as a parent when there's nothing you could do? Oh, man. Such a bummer. Thankfully, some friends of ours gave us a, black, a backup blankie. Praise God. Amen, right? <laughs> but uh, have you ever asked that question, though? Have you ever, have you ever just, like, wondered? I mean, this, this was my son's question in that moment. And, Kali, you're here. You get to hear me tell this story. But this is my story, too, because I'm your dad. And it broke my heart because he said, you know, why would they ever steal my blankie? You know, if you ask that question, like in the world, why, why is there so much broken stuff in our world? Why is our world so messed up that somebody would break my truck window and steal the blankie? You know what I'm saying? How evil could somebody be? <laughs> and, you know, I think that we're, we're going to talk about that today. When it, the, the question is, when is God going to come and make things right? When is God going to come and make things right? We're going to talk about this today in the, in the scriptures, and we're in this series called Last Days, and it's not, we're not trying to predict the end of the world or predict who the Antichrist is, but the idea is that, that since Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, the scriptures tell us that these are the last days, and our goal in this is how should we live in light of these realities? How should we live in light of these realities? That's what we're talking about here, and uh, John is writing this revelation. So John was one of the original apostles. He walked with Jesus, hung out with Jesus, and he was persecuted for his faith. In fact, they tried to kill him. He did not die. And he ends up on this island, and he's writing this revelation that God gave him about Jesus to the churches in the first century who were under intense persecution. And so that's kind of where we find ourselves in this story. And have you ever had to deliver like really hard news to somebody? If you're wise, you'll do this. It's called the Oreo. You tell them something good, you tell them something bad, and then you tell them something good again. <laughs> you know, if you really want someone to be able to catch the, the hard truth, right? We have to build bridges of influence that can bear the weight of truth, right? We got we to gotta love somebody, build a No, but uh, we have to, I, I've, I've done this before. When I have to tell somebody something that I don't want to tell them, but it's, sometimes it's love, right? You guys agree with that? Sometimes the loving thing to do is to tell somebody there's something wrong. But, but if you want them to get that, so here's what God does. There's a really good news. There's a really hard truth. And then there's some really good news, right? So last week we talked about the return of the king. Jesus is coming back. Next week, we're going to talk about how God is creating a new heaven and a new earth. He is making all things new. He's restoring all things unto himself. But today, we're talking about how God is making room for the new. And it's a pretty sobering subject. Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 20. And if I only could just 
read this with the voice of Johnny Cash. It would be so cool. When the man comes around. You ready for this? Here we go. I'm not going to try that, but that would be pretty cool. Anyone have a Johnny Cash voice here? All right. Revelations 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil. Who was it that deceived Adam and Eve in the garden? Right? Here he is again. So in the very beginning of the story, the very end of the story, it's the devil or Satan says that he bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from, a de- from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls who had been, of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus. This is how they would often uh, persecute the church in that day. We've got little ears in here, so I'm going to kind of like give the PG version of this. But um, you can get the idea, right? And now they are reigning with Christ, right? Those, because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, they had not worshipped the beast or its image or had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands, they came to life and reignited, re, reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So after the return of the king, there's this battle of Armageddon, And now we have this vision of Jesus, Jesus' followers who were martyred, ruling with Jesus for a thousand years. Now there's many different, this is maybe the most controversial chapter in the whole Bible, and maybe the most gnarly. But I'm going to break it down for you real basically. Basically, there's two different schools of thought, and scholars have debated about this for hundreds of years. Um, And uh, some would say that this is a literal chronological sequence of events. Jesus' return, a thousand-year reign, and a final judgment. Or some would say there's a thousand, the thousand years depict Jesus' present victory over spiritual evil, and final, the final battle depicts Jesus' return from two different angles. And so there's, there's three main different views. There's the premillennial, the postmillennial, and the amillennial. Which one are you? I remember taking this class in Bible college and getting to the end of it slightly more confused than I started and going thinking, I'm, you know what? I think I'm a pan-millennial, meaning that it's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> and I could, no. But the, the reality here, friends, is that Second Peter 3.8 says, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Jesus also said in Matthew 24, no one knows the, hour, the day or the hour. No, not even the angels in heaven know. The Son does not know. Only the Father knows. The main point here, friends, We could get hung up in the details, but the main point here is that Jesus is coming back. He's coming again to deal with evil forever and to vindicate those who have been faithful to him. And if the purpose of this series is to ask, how should we live in light of these realities, it really doesn't make much of a difference, whether it's pre, post, mid, post, pan, 
whatever, you know what I'm saying? You could, ha I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit trail and try to, I could try to convince you of my opinion, but that's all that it is, my opinion. So I want to focus on the big picture. Is that cool? And it's fun. I'll be honest. I've had fun studying this and talking about this with friends, but arguing about the details, I think, can divide us and distract us from the main point. Amen? So here we go. Keep going. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and gather them for battle. In number, they are like sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. Okay, this kind of seems like this final scene in the Lord of the Rings, this epic battle, right? And you can, can you imagine that? Like just, I mean, the, like basically... The Lord allows the, the devil to come out and, and deceive the nations one more time, and all these people gather. I mean, it's just, it's like sea, it's like sand on the seashore. That's how many soldiers there are. And you're expecting this epic, prolonged, gnarly battle. But look at what happens. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. It's like, poof. And it's this picture of God just, there's, there's, it's not even a battle. God's power is so much greater. And there, there's uh, anyone that stands up against the day of the Lord, I mean, it's, you don't want to be on that side, right? And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. Another translation says burning lake of fire, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. We did talk about some of this stuff in the past week, so if you're not caught up on the series, I encourage you to you know, listen to the podcast, watch the YouTube if you want to get caught up, because there's, there's a lot here that we're not going to be able to cover today. Um, but the point is that um, God is dealing with evil once and for all. And it says they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne. Now this is epic. And him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. The picture here of fire, it really is, it's an image of destruction and judgment all through the scriptures. And you got to remember, uh, the way that Revelation is written, it's highly symbolic of all these images from the Old Testament. So you have to read it through that lens. And then we have this great throne. Daniel spoke about a throne of God's judgment. God is making room for the new, and he's created a place for what doesn't fit in his kingdom. Continues on. This is where it gets gnarly. You guys ready? You guys okay? You hanging with me? And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open. Another book was open which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. 
right? And Jesus talked about this in Matthew 25. We started our series on this passage where Jesus was talking about this moment, this day of the Lord, where there's like sheep and there's goats, and there's this judgment of, I was thirsty, and you didn't bring me something to drink. I was in prison, and you didn't visit me, right? There's this moment where in, in Jesus's story, because he hadn't been to the cross yet, he's telling the story, and the only point of judgment is what we did and didn't do. But now we have this, this revelation into heaven where Jesus has died on the cross and risen from the dead and created this book of life. Everyone say, thank God. Because we're not just judged by what we did and didn't do, but there's this book of life that I can get my name in there. And I don't know about you, but I want my name in that book. There's not a whole lot of things that matter more. That my name is in that book, and your name is in that book, and that we get as many people as we know in that book. There's not a whole lot that matters in that moment. Amen? And I know this is kind of gnarly. We live in a culture that's ruled by feelings. What I feel is right for you is right for you, and what you feel is right for you and right for you, right? And it's like we bristle at this idea of like absolute truths and conformity. But God authored love. He defines it. And love is not boundaryless. Think about that. If someone is harming another person and you have a power to act, is it loving to stand back and watch? It's not loving. And so God has created this definition of what love is, and he's also given us free will to choose. You can opt out of love. He won't force you. C.S. Lewis said it like this. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those who to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. Big idea here today, guys, and I got a couple thoughts I want to share with you from my heart here because I know this is a heavy topic, but I really have something I want to share with you about this. Is Number one, the big idea is this. God is making room for the new. Have you ever had something... Uh, when, when I was in high school, I loaned my friend one of my surfboards. It was a bad idea. I knew it in the moment. I like, you ever had that moment where you like, you let somebody do something and you know, I never should have said yes because this guy was trying to learn how to do errors and he was breaking his boards. And so he said, can I borrow your board? And I said, oh yeah, okay. And he like got me this job working for the restaurant that his parents owned. And so I was like, oh, I kind of feel obligated. So I let him borrow my board. And guess what? The next day, he snapped it in half, and he brought it back to me. (laughs) If it wasn't worse, he brought it back to me. Like, hey, here's your broken board. No payment, no cash. Just like, sorry, bro. And I put that board in my garage right where it used to be. I had like a little surfboard spot in the garage, you know. But then pretty soon, I wanted to get a new board. Guess what happened to the old board? It had to go outside, right? And then pretty soon, it's getting yellow from the sun. It's taking up water. It's got a puddle around it. There's animals living in it. (laughs) You know, it's not getting better. It's not evolving into a better 
species of surfboard, it's just declining into trash at this point, right? And now it's like I have to, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with this board. I didn't want to let go of it. It was painful. I don't like to give, get rid of it. I'm actually feeling brokenhearted about it, so I'm keeping it longer than I should, right? But eventually it needed to go in the trash. It needed to go somewhere because my, my parents wouldn't let me keep it on the side of the house anymore. And the reality is that God is coming to restore all things to himself. He is making a new, we're going to read next week, the next lines in the passage is, I am making all things new. He's creating a new heaven and a new earth. But in order for God to make room for the new, there's things that don't belong in his kingdom. And I believe he's holding back as long as he possibly can so as many people can possibly come and hear about, hear about him and hear the good news of the gospel. But I have, a couple, I have three thoughts for you. The first one is this. Maybe you're sitting back going, man, that's heavy. Let me explain this to you. Number one, my, my, my thought for you is this. Love is the reason. Think about this. If God created you to love him and you had no other choice, would that actually be love? You'd be a robot, right? God created you with the actual ability to love and the only way that's possible is if he gave the opportunity and the possibility that you would choose not love, that you would not want to be with God. As parents, we can raise our children, but our ultimate goal is not to control them. Yeah, when they're young, we have to protect them, but eventually we want to prepare them for the real world. Ruby was in Seattle this last summer, and a bunch of the kids, were they're going to watch The Exorcist, and I'm like, well, it's the scariest movie you have ever seen, you will have nightmares. You can choose to watch it <laughs> if you want. And I'll pray with you afterwards because <laughs> you'll be terrified. And she, thank God she chose not to watch it. That was a wise choice. But, you know, I, if I just controlled her and told her not to do it, she's not going to be prepared to live life because every child has the free will to choose. Am I going to love my parents? Am I going to love God? Am I going to follow what is right what is, or, or do what is wrong? And our choice creates that opportunity for evil. And that's why we live in a broken world because people have chose not love or sin, which is missing the mark of love that is righteousness, that is truth, that is good. Um, And it's because of love that God is removing evil in the world. He's removing all that is not love because his kingdom, he's defining as a place where, where because he is love and he reigns, Nothing in, in his presence, he's reuniting heaven and earth where God's presence is going to be dwelling among us. And, and we can't have anything that's not love there. Does that make sense? So it's actually loving. It sounds gnarly. It sounds like it's not loving, but it's actually, if you think about it, if you don't want to be with God, who is the source of love and good, where will you be? He will allow that. He allows us to opt out of his goodness and his love so that we can actually choose him. Number two, love is the reason, number one. Number two, righteousness is the reality. Love is not boundaryless, as I said before. God defines what is right and what is wrong. He defines what love is. And light cannot be in the presence of darkness. In the same way, God cannot be in the presence of evil, cannot be in the presence of God. Um, and I think about Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And there was a people of God, the Christians of that day that were reading this, that would have been inspired by hope that their friends who had been martyred were going to be vindicated and that God was coming to remove evil. And the third thing I want to talk about is this. Not only is love the reason, righteousness the reality, but thirdly, justice is the ramification. Justice is the ramification. You can't have justice or righteousness or love without a boundary and defining what that is. And we will all stand before God. This, this idea of justice is that every one of us will stand before God and give an account. I will stand before God. And I don't know about you, but I want, to, I want my name to be written in that book of life so that when Jesus looks at me, he looks through the lens of Jesus. When God looks at me, he's judging me, not based upon my works, but on the, on the works of Jesus. And I know this is a heartbreaking reality. Like, I don't teach on this every Sunday because I don't want to just flippantly say the word hell. Like, I hate it. But it would not be loving to just skim over this, right, if it's true. And it, and it should be heartbreaking for us. It should be um, what, what drives us to live our lives in that this reality is eternal, that God is coming back. He is going to deal with evil. And our choice to love him and be with him or be separated from him, I haven't found any place in Scripture that doesn't say it's not permanent. It sounds pretty permanent to me. So that's heavy, right? And that's why it's important. How does this change the way we live now? That's our question in this series. How ought we to live if eternity is at stake? What in our lives are we clinging on to that does, has no place in this world, in, the, in God's new world that he's creating? Am I living my life in such a way for eternity that it's pointing people to Jesus? God is making room for the new. The next, the next verse is Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. God is making room for the new, but he's also making room for you. And John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for, his, for one's friends. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to, I don't think this is a message of fear. Right? If we really embrace God's love, there is no love and fe- there's no fear in love. It's about love. Jesus died so you can be- live a more comfortable life, right? Are you paying attention? Jesus died because we needed to be saved. Because we're lost without him. He didn't die because so we could live a better life. He died so we could be saved. It said the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And shouldn't we, as believers? Circling back to the blankie, my son wept over what was lost. I, I wanted to weep over this lost blankie, you know? I yelled at some people in a black Lexus over a blankie. When we read the above passage, it should... It should cause us to be heartbroken over the reality. 
Absolutely. I remember the first time I, I had this realization. I was in high school, and I heard a, a song by Keith Green. And the, it's an uncomfortable song. But he said, do you see, do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come? And those words struck me as like a reality that our life that we live, it matters because there's people around us that don't know the love of Jesus. They don't know the good news of Jesus. They don't know that their name can be written in the book of life, that he created them for a purpose. And that changed me. And I want that to change me every day. Because we have really good news to share with people. And it's easy to get distracted. Even, even in the scripture about this, we could get distracted arguing about our views and our opinions and our politics and our preferences. And you know what? It's not really about us. It's actually about him. And I want to live for him. And I want to invite you as a church, let's live for him. Let's live our lives in such a way that point people to eternity with Christ. Amen? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.